0: Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed, from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. Well, we continue in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 15, and I've entitled this, Let Jesus Appoint Leaders. I think sometimes we try to do God's job for Him. (laughs) And sometimes we mean well, but we'll say, okay, God, the choices are one, two, and three. So which one should I choose? And I think God says, well, I'm going to choose number (laughs) ten. And we try to limit God and we put Him in our box and We think that we're going to control the situation and help God out. Also, too, I think as Christians, we have trouble following directions. Are you one of those people when you get lost, you know, men are notorious, get lost, I don't need the map, I'm not going to call for directions, I don't need the GPS, I'll figure it out myself. You're spinning your wheels, you're going in circles, and then finally you're like, okay, show me those directions. And I believe that what has happened is Jesus has left the church, gone back to heaven, his great ascension, but he's left them directions, two simple things. You think, how can you get it wrong? (laughs) Two simple words, pray and wait, pray and wait. And I love Peter, and he is our new leader. Jesus is gone, and... Jesus put him in control, put him as the leader. And so Peter's like, well, we can't just pray and wait. We've got to start making some decisions. And it's like, Peter, you only have to wait for 10 days, and Pentecost is going to come. Just pray and wait. You ever get like that? I can't wait on God anymore. I've got to take action now. I've got to hurry. I've got to get the show on the road. And Jesus says, pray and wait. Wait for the promise. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for God's leading. Don't get ahead of Jesus. Let's read it, verse 15. At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren. A gathering of about 120 persons was there together. I don't know what happened to all the tens of thousands. You know, the feeding of the 5,000, where are they? I don't know what happened to the masses that were cheering and the palm branches and Hosanna, Son of David. Where are the masses? Sometimes the masses are finicky. They're up and they're down. One day they're saying, Hail, we love you, Jesus, Hosanna. And the next moment, they're saying, crucify him. People are finicky. But we have the faithful few. We have a core group. We have the committed 120 souls. And they're following Jesus' instructions. They're waiting and they're praying in the upper room. I believe we have the who's who of Christianity. I think we have, of course, Peter and the other uh, 10 to make 11 apostles. I think we have Mary Magdalene, who's very dedicated, the first to see Jesus risen again. I think we have the family Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who was risen from the dead. I think we have Nicodemus, who was uh, a Pharisee. Joseph of Arimathea, I think we have another clergy member. I think we got some of the blind men that were healed, some that had maybe the woman with the bleeding. You know, we have a few that Jesus changed their lives, and they are going to be faithful to the bitter end. The thousands are gone, and 120 are left. Verse 16. And here Peter starts his speech or his sermon, brethren. The scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Peter is focusing on the traitor, Judas. Iscariot you know what Judas did was foretold by the Bible in the book of Psalms David wrote about the future by the power of the Holy Spirit we have scriptures inspired all scripture inspired by the Spirit of God Uh, and Judas led the way he led the enemy to where Jesus was at praying in the garden of Gethsemane do you remember and they come with their weapons and their swords and their lanterns and their, um, their fire, torches. And Judas is the betrayer. He leaves them right before communion. He sells Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You know, Judas was always a money man. He was always obsessed with money. His job as a member of the apostles was to be the treasurer. And the Bible tells us that he would kind of embezzle, and time to time he would steal a little bit here and there from Jesus and his disciples. He was very money-oriented. And in the end, he sold Jesus for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver, not that much and so judas gets the money if you ever see the painting or the pictures of the last supper judas is the one holding the money bag holding on to his precious coin and so he sells jesus he goes up by night with the temple guards the soldiers and he betrays jesus with a kiss on the cheek on the neck And Jesus, of course, says to him, Do you betray me with a kiss? You know, a term of endearment, an act of love. What a fake, what a phony, what a traitor. Judas leads the way. 17. For he was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. Judas had the greatest position a believer could have, to be an apostle. If you look at the list of the gifts, apostle is the top. Apostles had great authority in the early church. They could write Holy Scripture. They were over the churches. They were over pastors. They commanded with authority. They led the whole movement of Christianity They could do incredible miracles and healings, as we will see later in this book. Apostles were great. And Judas was one of the 12 apostles, high up, important, part of Jesus' close ministry. It's just unbelievable that he would betray Jesus. Verse 18 now this man, Judas, acquired a field with the price of his wickedness. It's ironic because when Judas sold Jesus for the 30 pieces of silver, he was paid by the priesthood. He was paid by the clergy, which was Jesus' enemies. And to me it's very ironic because it was blood money you know, selling Jesus out for money. And when Judas had realized what he had done later, he wanted to repent. He came back to the priests and he says, I'm giving the money back. Let Jesus go. I've made a mistake. They said, no, it's too late. We will not let him go. And we won't take that money back because it's filthy blood money. And the Pharisees are so hypocritical because they're the ones that gave the money and now they won't take it back because it's blood money and it's tainted and it's evil. They won't allow it into the temple treasury. And Judas just throws the money on the floor, spreads it out, and he runs away, crying, possessed by the devil. And Judas, I don't know if you know his ending, but he was demonized and he commits suicide. And the same money that he received for Jesus was later used to buy a cemetery plot for him. That same money is used to buy his grave, the price of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his intestines gushed out. Quite a gruesome end, as Judas Iscariot commits suicide by hanging. And some believe he found some kind of cliff and tree, and he hangs himself, and his body is left probably for days. And then upon being discovered, they cut him loose, And the body falls, having been decayed, and it just falls and breaks open. Falls among the rocks, the jagged uh, cliffside, and his body is spread open. A gruesome end for a horrible sin. It is suicide. And there are suicides in scripture and suicides in life. And I've had loved ones and friends from when I was young till up to now that have committed suicide. A couple years ago, I did a funeral for a young man in his early 20s who committed suicide, severely handicapped, was made fun of, put down, harassed, lies and gossip, evil stories were made about him. And he was driven by wicked people to commit suicide. And I did his funeral. And I remember Curly, I did his funeral. He shot himself in the head and left his beautiful Christian wife behind. And she told me the gruesome story and cleaning up the blood in the house. And when I was a teenager, I had friends that were two twin brothers. And they committed suicide in the garage by hanging themselves together. And you just know of these horror stories, and it's gruesome, and those that are police and, and authorities that must come and clean up the mess. And so let me say this on suicide. I believe, like in Judas's case, suicide can be demonic. Judas had become demon-possessed. He was demonized, if you've seen the passion of the Christ. You see him going out of his mind and attacks from demons, and the devil himself had entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot. I think suicide can be demonic. I think suicide can be a mental illness. I think suicide can be the end of your rope and desperation. I think it's a horrible sin. But I don't see the Bible teaching it's the unpardonable sin. I believe the cross pays for every sin, even the sin of suicide. I believe when you become a Christian, your soul is committed to Christ. And so the devil and his demons will try to destroy your body. I believe Christians are attacked and tempted to commit suicide because the devil knows if I can't have your soul, I can destroy your body so you cannot be used by God and your life won't count. And so I encourage you, fight suicide and that temptation and give your whole self to Christ and live for him and let him pull you out of your sadness and your despair and your depression and get counseling from Christian friends, a pastor, a Christian counselor, and you can make it through. Now, let me say about Judas and Peter, they both betrayed Jesus. Judas... Sold Jesus for money. Peter sold Jesus for his own skin, I'm afraid, three times. He denied, I don't even know him. He's cussing. I don't know the blankety blank. Leave me alone in the the rooster crows, yes, and they both go running off crying. But Peter comes back. Peter repents. Peter makes it right. I believe if Judas Iscariot came back to Jesus and said, I'm sorry, forgive me, take me back, he would have. That's the key. Come back to Christ. Don't run away from him. Verse 19. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem so that In their own language, that field was called Hakadama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, he's quoting now from the book of Psalms, the writings of King David, let his homestead be made desolate, and let no one dwell in it, and let another man take his office." Peter's really been thinking about Judas. Peter is concerned, we need another one to take his place. We need the original 12 apostles. I agree, yes. But here's my point. Apostles can only be chosen by Jesus Christ himself. And he empowers them to do great things, miracles, healings, preaching, starting churches, doing incredible things. I believe it's not Peter's place to appoint an apostle. I believe it's Jesus' place to appoint the next apostle. In the book of Revelation, we read about the golden city, the New Jerusalem, and it is built on 12 foundation stones. And each foundation stone is named... After the 12 apostles, there are 12, Judas is out, and someone has been put in his place. My opinion, it's the apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus. And you remember he was public enemy number one, destroyer of the churches, murderous, riding his high horse, going to Damascus to incarcerate and kill more Christians. And guess who comes down from heaven? The Lord Jesus Christ, in a bright light, knocks him down. And, you know, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I am Jesus. Jesus and Jesus comes down from heaven and he chooses the 12th apostle not Peter i think Peter is goofing up i think Peter is impetuous he's tired of praying and waiting and we got to get the show on the road but don't get ahead of the holy spirit don't get ahead of god Wait and pray. Wait for him to open a door. Wait for him to move. Pentecost is almost here. The Holy Spirit is going to come in power, in glory, in just the next chapter, just days away. Don't jump the gun. Don't do a false start. Don't be anxious. Wait for the Spirit's answer. But I need a job now. I got to make a decision now. I got to get married now. I got to do a ministry now. I got to do. Wait on the Lord because you may choose the wrong one and then you're going to be in a mess. Don't vote without Jesus. Verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary that of the men who had accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. You know, out of our 120, I have some good candidates. And it must be a man, a male, one who has been with us from the beginning of Jesus's ministry when it started all the way back at the Jordan River. Remember John the Baptist? It's got to be a man who was there, who saw Jesus get baptized in the water, who saw the power of the Holy Spirit dove come upon Jesus. One who was there from the beginning, hearing him preach repentance, his teachings, his miracles, all the way up till the ascension when he went back into the clouds. It's got to be a guy who's been with us these two to three years. One of them. Must be an apostle. Makes sense to me. <laughs> but I think Jesus had other plans. One who actually saw his resurrection, one of the 500 who Jesus physically appeared to, he's got to be one of the 12 apostles. It's convincing. <laughs> You know, men have their own decisions. Have you ever been in church meetings and we're voting and we're deciding? Maybe you've been a a member of a congregational rule church and everybody has a vote and you do your ballot. Or maybe you've been an elder or a deacon or a trustee on a church and, you know, we're making decisions. Hopefully we are praying and waiting and trying to make Jesus's decision for his church. But sometimes churches vote wrong. Sometimes churches make bad decisions. Man, I could look back on my past, and I know uh, churches I've been a part of where we put in bad leaders, the wrong one. (laughs) A bad pastor, a bad music minister, a bad elder, a bad deacon. And I'm like, what were we thinking? This person, they hate the People they hate God, they don't even want to come to church. And here we've put them as a leader. <laughs> what were we doing? We should have been praying and seeking the Lord and going slow. And we're well, we got to hurry, you know, fill the position. And maybe you've been hurt by a bad leader who should have never been appointed by men, it should have been someone that God chose that God put in. Have you been there? Bad decisions. I remember I was at a church, and we just got a brand-new person, and I was on the board, and I promoted him, and then he's at my house for dinner, and he just comes unglued yelling and screaming at me, and horror happened in our church, and I put my head down, and I said, Lord, Lord, We chose the wrong pastor. (laughs) Mistakes happen. We're only human. So Peter has his qualifications, which make sense to me. Verse 23. So they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabas, who is also called Justice, and Matthias. Okay, God, we've been praying, Jesus, we have two candidates for you to choose. Okay, God, should I take this job or that job? You know, I really want that Corvette. Should I get the red one or the black one? (laughs) Okay, should I marry Joe or Curly? (laughs) Okay, God, I've given you two choices you get to select. Like multiple choice. And I think God says, no, I don't want any of those two choices. I choose Z. I choose number 25. No, God, but I was deciding between Reno and Sparks. Which place should I move to? And God says, no, that's not where you're supposed to go. And so be careful to put God in a box and to limit him. And then you may have a day where all your doors close. But God, I gave you two doors and they're both closed. And God says, no, I've opened a window. I have a different direction, a different calling. So Peter, the congregation, gives God two choices. Justice or Matthias. Twenty-four. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you have chosen. Well, it must be God's will. I prayed over it, right? Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567. And our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.